0: Had read to us, Paul has finally made it to Rome, and where we read that he was allowed to live by himself with a soldier to guard him. Are we there yet? Well, Paul's answer is yes, we're here. And on his way to Rome, he met and spent some time with some brothers and sisters. These were fellow Christians whom Paul had never met, nor they him, and yet there was the experience of family between them. It wasn't just that he met with some people. It wasn't just that he met even with the church, but he met with brothers and sisters. They were family to him, united to him in that, in that kind of bond of fellowship through Christ. And their presence was a blessing and an encouragement to Paul, perhaps because they were a fruit of the gospel that was so motivating him and his mission. Perhaps they were a blessing simply because of the warmth of their welcome and their hospitality and the way that that lifted his spirits. Or maybe it was both. But either way, these brothers and sisters blessed and encouraged him. And then, finally, in Rome, Paul uh, meets with the Jewish leaders. And this has been his normal practice throughout all his missionary trips and in all of his destinations, all of his stops His normal practice has been that he would go to the synagogue and there to to reason with the Jews. However, in Rome, he is stuck under house arrest. And so he can't go to them. In this instance, he needs to invite them to come to him. And he gives them a quick summary of what it is that has brought him to Rome, the charges of the Jews that were against him, his innocence, as was recognized by the Romans, but then his need to appeal to Caesar, which is then... What has prompted his travels here now. And the Roman Jews say to him that they've heard nothing of any of this, but they're interested though to hear more from Paul. Because uh, and what they're interested in is because Paul has declared to them that it is because of the hope of Israel that I'm in this chain. And he also and they also say that people everywhere are talking against this sect. This Jesus movement. So they want to find out more about Jesus and about those who follow him. They, as Jews, are longing and waiting for the Messiah. So they want to hear more about what Paul is communicating is the hope of Israel that has come to them. So a larger number of Jews then gather again to hear from Paul. Now, if you or I were in Paul's situation, I reckon we'd be trying to defend ourselves to these Jews. We'd be talking about the injustice of all that we've gone through, and we'd be petitioning with them for them to try to get the charges dropped or something similar so that we could go free and not be bound and limited like we were. However, that's not Paul's approach. Rather, we read about Paul in verse 23 of Acts 28. It says that he witnessed to them from morning till evening explaining about the kingdom of God. And from the law of Moses and from the prophets, he tried to persuade them about Jesus. There was nothing in there about himself. He wasn't trying to persuade them of his innocence, he was trying to persuade them about Jesus. He's the witness on the stand. And the testimony that he is giving is not about himself, but about two other things. He witnesses to them about the kingdom of God and about Jesus. And at the close of the chapter, Luke emphasizes again that it is these two topics, the kingdom of God and the Lord Jesus Christ, that these were the content of Paul's preaching and his proclamation and his teaching. And so for ourselves then, if these are so important to Paul, let's spend some time reflecting and considering about them ourselves. In Mark chapter 1, at the very beginning of the gospel and the account of Jesus' life, and Mark was probably the, the gospel that was first written. We read in Mark chapter 1, verse 14, after John was put in prison, Jesus went into Galilee proclaiming the good news of God. And this is what he said. He said, The time has come. The kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe this good news. So here's Jesus commencing his public ministry. He proclaims the good news of God, which is that the kingdom of God is at hand. Now, this was definitely... The hope of Israel. This is what they had been waiting for, for their own kingdom had been d- defeated and destroyed. Overcome by Assyrians and the Babylonians, the Jews who had not been killed or scattered and dispersed were then taken into exile. And there they lived under another's rule. They lived in a foreign and a pagan kingdom. And even when they were then able to return to their land, they were still actually a subject nation at this time, you know. In particular, under the Romans, they were still not a kingdom of their own, but were instead under other kingdoms. And so they were longing for God to reestablish them as a kingdom of their own. And so the Jews, uh, so so the news rather that Jesus announced, that was good news, but it was very different news to the new to what they had anticipated. The news Jesus announced was that the kingdom of God had come near, but it had not come as a political or geographical, militaristic reality. So what is the kingdom of God? It's the the sphere of God's rule. It's where God's will is followed and obeyed. It's sometimes referred to as the kingdom of heaven. Because in the heavens, God's rule is perfectly obeyed. And so it's why we may pray, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. It's a prayer for the kingdom to become a reality in this space. And so Jesus' announcement and Paul's proclamation is that the kingdom has come. Well, where was it? Where is this kingdom? I mean, after all, the Jews were still under Roman authority. The the whole reason... Paul now actually finds himself in Rome is because the Jews did not have the authority themselves to punish Rome, uh, Paul for what they saw as breaches, you know, as, as crimes against their law. So, where is this kingdom? Well, Jesus says it's near, it's at hand, it's among us. See, what Jesus revealed to us and what Paul preached is that this world that we live in has been invaded. It's been invaded by the kingdom of God. This kingdom makes possible a new kind of life, a different kind of life, a life that is from above. It's an eternal kind of life. A life lived in God's kingdom is a life, as Dallas Willard says it, it's a life of living in the range of God's effective will, where what he wants done is done. See, until the kingdom of God came, until it invaded this world, we were living in the kingdom of darkness. It didn't matter who the political authority over us was. As Paul wrote to the Ephesians, he says, You were dead in your transgressions and sins, in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world and of the ruler of the kingdom of air, the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. We lived in another kingdom. We lived under another's rule. And so, in terms of the kingdom of God, we were rebels and failures, and we were outside of it. But Jesus came to bring new life, new life back within the kingdom of God. And so Paul also writes to the Colossians that he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and has then brought us into the kingdom of the Son he loves, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. Jesus has made it possible for us to change citizenship, to change our citizenship from the kingdom of darkness, from the kingdom of the ruler of the air, and instead to come into the kingdom of God. And in the kingdom, it is God and his will that is sovereign, not our own. In the kingdom, we don't live as we please in our sin. In the kingdom, though, we also then don't obey the law out of fear or pride in an effort to keep God off our backs. In the kingdom, we have a new kind of life, a life that has been set free from sin and from law. And instead, it's one where we become the kinds of people who naturally, from our hearts, do the kinds of things that God would have us to do. It becomes a life of freedom and of joy and of worship. It's a different kind of life. It's a better kind of life as we then live as God would have us to live under his rule and reign. And this kingdom, as Paul announces to his hearers, is here now. And the reason for it, the reason why the kingdom is here now is because of Jesus He is the promised Messiah. He is the hope of Israel. He is the one that the Jews had been waiting for. He is the king of the kingdom. And so if Jesus is here, then his kingdom has also come. And So for anyone to be a part of the kingdom, they need to give their allegiance to Jesus. And if he was just an ordinary carpenter who tried his hand for a while at motivational speaking, before he then ended up offending too many of the wrong kinds of people, if that's all Jesus was, then we're not going to give him our allegiance. Or for the Jews of Paul's day, if Jesus was just a heretical blasphemer who had delusions of grandeur and a Messiah complex, then they too were not going to give him their allegiance. But if Jesus is who he says he is, If Jesus fulfilled God's promises for the Messiah, if Jesus is the King who saves his people, which is what Paul was trying to persuade the Jews to see, then if Jesus is all of that, then it only makes sense for us to then respond to him as our Lord. In short, Paul's message to the Jews is that a new and a different kind of life is available. And it's available to them in the kingdom of God that is among us now because in the person of Jesus, the king has come and has inaugurated the kingdom and has made such a life possible. This is Paul's message. And we see the Jews' response. Verse 24. Some were convinced by what he said, but others would not believe. And so this response... um, prompts Paul to feel free to take his message to the Gentiles. Throughout his his mission efforts, Paul has always shared the good news about Jesus first to the Jews, to his own people. Once they reject not only Paul's message, but, but Jesus himself, he then goes on to take the message to the Gentiles, who do listen and do respond. As he writes to the Romans, he says, For I am not ashamed of the gospel because it's the power of God for the salvation of everyone who believes first to the Jews then to the Gentile. And what's clear in Paul's approach is that the good news, this message about Jesus and his kingdom, it requires a response. To be a part of the kingdom means recognizing and submitting to Jesus as king. Failure to do so keeps you on the outside of the kingdom. And notice the description in verse 24. Some were persuaded, some were convinced, but others would not believe. Not that they could not, but that they would not. They refused to bow down before Jesus, and instead they kept the crown on their own heads. But entrusting your life and your obedience to Jesus means that you're able to enter into the kingdom, means that you're able to enter into life with God and all that that entails. And so Paul's message to the Jews and to us is to not miss out on Jesus and to not miss out on the kingdom. Then the chapter ends with these words. For two whole years... Paul stayed there in his own rented house and welcomed all who came to see him. He proclaimed the kingdom of God and taught about the Lord Jesus Christ with all boldness and without hindrance. Now, Paul is stuck in his house. He's there under house arrest. He's chained to a Roman soldier for two years. Now, we think we've had it bad with the various lockdowns that we've had. But I suppose the upside was that Paul at least could have visitors. But don't miss this. For all that Paul is limited and restricted, for all that he is stuck in the one house with a guard on his sight, chained to his hand, day and night, for all that Paul is limited and restricted, he proclaimed the good news about Jesus with all boldness, and what does it say? Without hindrance. I mean, he actually he looks pretty hindered, But he was able to do it without hindrance. He writes then to his friend Timothy. He says, Remember Jesus Christ, raised from the dead, descended from David. This is my gospel. This is the good news I've been proclaiming to you, for which I am suffering even to the point of being chained like a criminal. But God's word is not chained. Paul was limited and restricted, yet the word was proclaimed without hindrance. What hope and confidence we can have that God's Word is not chained. Rather, it's free. And it's free to spread and to have its impact, whatever might seem to be the physical limitations on us. As Diane shared earlier, Wise Choices for Life no longer being able to run their program, so instead it's on radio and going even further and having further spread. The Word of God is not chained. And then with that the book of Acts ends. Without even realising it, we've come to the end of the journey. But have we? Are we actually there yet? See, we've been moving for all these chapters and all this period of time towards Paul's appeal to Caesar. Caesar. Again and again, it, we've been told that, you know what, he doesn't have to go to Rome. If he hadn't made this appeal, he'd have been fine. We could have set him free. But, but no, he's got to go on to Caesar. We're, we've journeyed with him through shipwreck and trial and being stranded on an island and then has finally got to Rome to have his appeal before Caesar heard. But we don't hear about it. The story ends. We're, we're left on a cliffhanger. It's like when your favourite TV show gets axed in between seasons and you, you know, it never gets resolved. And there are various theories about why Luke finishes the account of Acts here. But I think there's a legitimate argument to make that it was actually left deliberately open-ended because we're not there yet. Paul's story ends here, but the story of the church The story of the spread of the mission of Jesus, the story of the kingdom of God invading the earth, our story, that story has not finished yet. See, the book of Acts opened with this commission from Jesus. Jesus says, You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you will be my witnesses. And you'll be my witnesses in in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria And to the ends of the earth. And although Paul may have made it to Rome, he may have made it to the heart of the empire, the good news of Jesus has not yet made it to the ends of the earth. That's why we have unreached people groups. That's why, as a church, we have this focus on mission. The story continues because we're not there yet. And it's our chance now to take up the narrative. There may not ever be books written about us, but, but we get to continue the story. It's our chance now to see the kingdom of God come increasingly on earth as it is in heaven as we continue the commission, the work that Jesus has given to us. So let's pray and commit ourselves to, to such an end. God, we thank you. For all this time that we've been able to spend working through the book of Acts and to see the story of your, your church and your mission in the world unfold. We thank you for what we've seen in the life of Paul throughout this journey, but particularly today, God, where though he is bound and you know, in effect falsely imprisoned, yet his focus is not on himself, but he's on your kingdom and on his Saviour and Lord Jesus Christ. God, we we see his heart and his passion and his efforts to continue to share this story with others, to convince them, to persuade them. And we see then the response. Some, Some believed, but others would not. And we're aware of that in our own world today and in our own sharing. But I pray for us, God, that just as for Paul, where he was bound and restricted and yet the word of God went out without hindrance, I pray that that would be the reality and experience for us. God, we are not bound and limited in the way that Paul was. Um, yes, we have other limitations around us, uh, and particularly at this time of COVID, but, but God, your word is not chained. Your kingdom is still here and coming and invading this world Jesus is still King and Messiah and Lord and Savior. And people, God, still need to hear about Him. And so I pray, God, through whatever ways and means, whether it's us sharing over the fence with our neighbor or whether it's us going overseas to another people group, whatever it might be, God, I pray that you would use us to continue your story and to continue your mission We're not there yet. And may, you know, in the same way that kids sitting in the car on a long car trip, the the urgency to get there, you know, ramps up the longer it goes. God, may that same urgency in us be, be ramped up. May we long and yearn to be there, and yet recognizing that we're not, continue to bend our efforts through the power of the Spirit, to see your kingdom come increasingly on earth, to see people confess Jesus Christ as their Lord and as their Savior. To the glory of God the Father, we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.